Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hi, I'm Christian Brindle and welcome to the Everything Medicare Podcast. Everything Medicare Podcast Nation. This is Christian Brindle, wherever you are and however you might be listening to me today. Thank you so much for taking the time. This is episode 191. Every single week, me and my organization, Christian Brindle Insurance Services, bring you three podcast episodes where we discuss your Medicare, your Medicaid, your Social Security, and everything that has to do with that golden age called retirement. Folks, 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 by the time you hear this, we will be back in our office working, and I'm very, very excited for that. Um, like I mentioned in Wednesday's episode, they've lowered the restrictions pretty significantly um, on the COVID-19 pandemic in my home state in Utah. And I know they're doing it all over the country as well in certain areas. Folks, let me start off this podcast with this. In every single idea... In every single potential change to an established program, whether it be something in the government, whether it be political or whether it not be, there's always going to be two different sides of the coin, people on both sides of the argument saying that they should do something as far as a change is concerned and they shouldn't. Let's talk about when Medicare first came into the equation. Lyndon B. Johnson was the president at the time that passed the act that put Medicare in place in the 1960s. There were a lot of people that opposed this act. There was a lot of people that supported this act. Now, fast forward to today, when Medicare was first put into effect, it was designed to take care of the amount of seniors that the country had in the 1960s. That's kind of what they were looking at. They had no idea of what it would become and what it would turn into and how greatly vast the senior population would be nearly 60 years later in 2020. Now, with Medicare and Social Security, one thing that we can be assured of is that they are operating in the red. In fact, I'll actually try to pull it up here so I can give you the exact numbers. And they've been operating in the red for some time. Let's see here. Bear with me. Bear with me here, folks. I'm just pulling this up. Pulling it up, pulling it 
up for your consumption. Okay, so let's see if we can find the U.S. debt. I know, I mean, clearly it's in the trillions, okay? Essentially, folks, <clears throat> Medicare has been in the red. I'm having trouble finding it, so just for the sake of time, I'm not going to bore you. But um, one thing we can say officially is that Medicare and Social Security are both in the red, and they've been doing so for some time. Let's talk about Social Security for a second. Social Security was never meant to be an income source for seniors to rely upon. It was supposed to be just a little bit of a boost to basically subsidize their retirement, their pensions, any money that they've saved up throughout their lives. Obviously, nowadays, probably probably in a lot of cases, more than 50% of seniors that are on Social Security rely on it as a primary income source. And if it didn't come in, they wouldn't be able to pay their bills. They're still paying bills month to month. That, of course, is a problem, but that means that Social Security has become more um, necessary and dependent upon than ever before. Medicare, same kind of deal. You know, it wasn't designed to cover 100 million people at a time. It was designed to cover 5 to 10 million people at a time. You see, when they passed that bill, they had no way of looking into the future in order to see what it could become and what it was going to turn into, and that's why we're in the red. Do I know the answer to it? No. But anytime you have a bill that's being passed, like I said, you're going to have people on both ends of the spectrum. People are going to say it's a great idea. People are going to say it's stupid. And I don't fall on either side of the spectrum with this particular argument. I'm not to say that I... I feel strongly one way about it or the other. There's been a lot of talks recently about lowering the Medicare age to 55. Instead of 65, the the government, the federal government would lower the the age to 55. And, And I had Medicare Bob on on Monday, on Monday's episode. If you haven't listened to the episode, go back and listen to it. But there's a part of the interview where, where Medicare Bob was talking about lowering the age to 55, which, you know, he, he thought would be a great thing for us in the business. And, and it would be. It would expand the amount of people that we're able to do business with for us, the people that run insurance agencies tremendously. The expansion would be um, enormous. So business-wise for us, it would be good. So selfishly, my first reaction is, yes, let's do it. But there's another side of this argument that I wanted to make sure that I made clear about. And that is, if you lower the eligibility age of Medicare down to 55, there's two aspects that put um, issues onto the federal government. Number one is you are now covering a significantly greater number of people than you were when the Medicare eligibility age was 65. And with it being at age 65, Medicare is already in the red. I think the worst case scenario for Medicare is that it gets to the point where it's just it just implodes and collapses. Now, do I think they'll find a way to deal with the debt at some point? I certainly hope so. I don't I cannot say, I don't know. But what I do know is that with it being the way it is now, the government's hemorrhaging money. There's a hole in the bottom of the boat, and it's leaking water. 
like I said at the beginning, I don't know the answer to this. I'm aware and enough, I'm comfortable enough in my own skin, and I think I'm smart enough to realize that I don't have all the answers with this stuff. And I don't know if there's any one single individual that does. But that is the first problem. The second problem is, the other reason why Medicare is hemorrhaging money is because people are living a lot longer than they were when it when the idea was first came out was was first thought up in the 1960s. The mortality rate for human beings in the United States of America is much older now than it used to be. We're having people live into their 80s, 90s, some people in their hundreds. And there was no way for them back in the 1960s to be able to determine that they'd be coming covering people that long. If someone gets on Medicare at age 65 and they live to 105, that's 40 years they've been covered by the Medicare system. Do you think that that person paid enough into the Medicare system to be able to be covered that long? No, not at all. It costs the government a lot more money to cover a person than they get back in taxing us FICA taxes, Social Security, and Medicare throughout our lives. The requirements are only 10 years. So if you pay into it for 10 years, 40 quarters, and they cover you for 30 years, 40 years, of course they're going to lose money on that. Right? And essentially, if they're covering people from age 55, they'll then be covering from people that from age 55 all the way to age 80, 90, 100. And I think that that will make that problem particularly worse. Is there a way they can do it properly? Probably so, maybe. But are there problems that need to be addressed? I do believe so. There's an article that I came across, and it was just kind of ironic because I was talking to Medicare Bob about this on Monday's episode about lowering the Medicare eligibility age to 55. And there was an article I came across about it that I found very interesting. I have to take a quick break. I'll be back in segment two. When I do come back, we'll go through that article, dissect it together, and I'll give you my thoughts. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for sticking with me through that break. This is episode 191 of the Everything Medicare podcast. I'm your host, Christian Brindle, and today we're talking about the potential possibilities of lowering the Medicare age to 55. Now, do I think that would be as harmful as maybe a Medicare for all system? No, I think a Medicare for all system would be um, catastrophic in a lot of different ways, and I've done episodes about that in the past. We're not going to get into that today. Do I think lowering the Medicare age to 55 would be potentially a good thing? I think it can be. It'd be good for me just being completely transparent with you because then we would have that many more people that my business can potentially work with and help. So selfishly, obviously the idea of it intrigues me, but I do believe there's some obstacles and some questions that need to be answered, particularly the questions that we addressed in segment one. One thing that's clear 
is the government does not approach things like a business would. Now, you might be thinking, well, Christian, the government's not a business. That's why. Hear me out on this. It's clear the government doesn't approach things like a business would because there's some similarities. You know, Congress, House of Representatives, all the people that um, debate on how to do things. You could say that's similar to a board of directors for a publicly traded company, a Disney, an Apple. But typically, a board of directors in most areas is going to have the same focus, the same bottom line, the same goals, the same aspirations for the company. Um, And they're usually, from my understanding, from the research that I've done, they have an easier time coming to decisions, which makes the companies able to work faster, implement changes faster. The problem with the government is everyone's divided. Nobody can agree on anything. If one side of the political spectrum says the sky is blue, the other party will, you know, plant stories that they're that they're lying and it's really maroon. And that's just the way that it is. And so problems are not easily solved in the government because nobody can agree on anything. No matter what political side of the spectrum you fall on, I think that's something that we can agree on. The only reason I bring this up is because Medicare is a highly political topic because it's completely ran by the government. So what goes on in politics heavily impacts what Medicare is going to look like. So sometimes it bleeds over. Sometimes I have to talk about it. But I think the main takeaway and the main point that we can make here is the government has a hard time getting things done effective and efficiently very quickly because they can't agree on anything. And lowering the Medicare age to 55 would present the problems that I went over in segment one. Particularly, they're hemorrhaging money now. People are living longer. So how could adding more people into the program not dramatically increase those problems? And they would if they weren't properly solved. The problem with solving a problem is when nobody can agree on it, it ends up being a uh, a checkmate, a standstill. Came across this article recently. It was put out by thehill.com. Found it very interesting. It said COVID-19 expanding Medicare and Medigap to those under 65 years old. So it starts out by saying seniors were forgotten in earlier rounds of COVID-19 funding, namely the CARES Act signed into law on March 27th with emergency funding directed to small businesses and corporations, especially those hit the hardest like travel and hospitality industries. Not much changed with a near, the nearly $500 billion supplemental stimulus package President Trump signed on April 24th, which stored up the depleted paycheck program protection, among other things. If I keep going down a little bit, I'm just going to kind of skip through a little bit of this stuff. Um, it gets to the part of the article which says, expand Medicare and Medigap. According to the Natural, National Council on Aging, more than 25 million Americans 60 and older are economically insecure. For the seniors who are secure, many lived on fixed incomes, making an unexpected health cost potentially devastating. That's where Medigap coverage comes in. Through coverage, um, though coverage varies widely from state to state, on average, one in four seniors age 65 and older with Medicare also have a Medigap. In the time of COVID-19, we need to look 
and at expanding Medicare and Medigap coverage to those 55 and up. As most seniors become eligible for Medicare at age 65, and typically job losses equated with the loss of health insurance. So they don't really explain how that would work in the article, but it's a topic that I'm seeing come up more and more. I'll post, a, I'll post this article on the Christian Bruno Insurance Services Facebook page. I'll make sure we get it up if you want to go back and, and see that. But essentially, folks, everybody likes the idea of something. Nobody wants to explain how it would work. And that's something that I just can't seem to wrap my head around. It's the same thing as Medicare for All. It's not as extreme. But the bottom line is the bottom line. How are you going to pay for this? Are you just going to print money? Printing money, oh, well, sure, that might work. But printing money, for anybody that knows anything about economics, is actually a terrible thing for the people of our country. Because when the government prints more money, it means there's more of it out there. Anytime there's more of something out there, the value of it goes down. Right? If Let's say you have a collector's item. Let's say you're a sports fan. Let's say you have a Michael Jordan autographed jersey, let's say. If any of you are watching that Michael Jordan documentary, The Last Dance, it's fantastic. I've been watching it every single day, every single week, every single day, every single week when it comes out on Sunday. So we'll use that as an example. Let's say there's 100 autographed Michael Jordan jerseys in the world, and you own 10 of them. You own 10% of all of them available. They're going to be worth a lot of money to you. There's only 100 available in a world of 8 billion people. Well, let's say there's 8 billion Michael Jordan jerseys, one for every single person in the, in, in, in the world. The value of that goes tremendously down because there's, there's, there's less demand because there's more of it out there. Same thing with money. It's called inflation. Anytime the government prints money, the value of our dollar goes down. And so these kind of things matter. Is there a part of me that would say I would love to see a Medicare for, um, not Medicare for, a Medicare age drop down to 55? I would love that personally for business, but would it be good for our country? No. Would it be good for our economics? No. I can't say so until they can solve the problems that I listed in segment one. Folks, I have to take one last break, have some final thoughts I'd like to share with you on this episode. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. Segment three, three of three. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome back, everybody. Thanks so much for sticking with me all the way to the end here. Folks, I'm not, I want to preface my comments because I'm probably going to get a, a lot of emails from some of you in the audience that say, you know, that I'm against adding things to Medicare, making it better. No, I am the biggest proponent for that. I want to see that happen. I want my clients to have better benefits. 
but I also want the Medicare system to stay around a long time. And I think if there's too much money dumped into it without a way to pay for it, and the number of people getting onto Medicare from now until 2030 is going to explode, just look at the numbers. I believe that it could cause the system to implode, and that's what I'm more focused on. I want Medicare to be around for the long term for our seniors. I do not want it. I do not want them trying to do too much with it too fast and it end up not being around in 20 years. I think Medicare is a great program. I think it's something that should stay around. I'm in favor of it getting better, but it needs to get better in a way that makes sense. And I have yet to see a way that this makes sense, at least not right now. They haven't figured out a way to solve the problem yet. So anyway, folks, I just wanted to share that with you. It's something I thought would be interesting to do an episode about. Um, As always, folks, if if this is your first time listening and you're about to get on Medicare or you're already on Medicare and you'd like to work with my company, Christian Bruno Insurance Services, we work with people in 10 states, Utah, Idaho, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, California, Texas, South Carolina, Virginia, and Florida. Again, that's Utah, Idaho, Colorado, Oregon, Washington, California, Texas, Virginia, South Carolina, and Florida. We'd love to work with you. We work with all of the biggest insurance companies in the Medicare market. Whether you're looking for a Medicare supplement or Medicare Advantage plan, we got you covered. Give us a call today. Our office number is 801-255-5340, 801-255-5340. If you're more comfortable shooting me an email, you're welcome to do so as well. My email address is Christian, C-H-R-I-S-T-I-A-N, B is in boy, at xmission.com. X like x-ray, mission like you're going on a mission, M-I-S-S-I-O-N.com, Christian B at xmission.com. And as always, folks, if you're listening to us on a platform that allows you to do so, please leave us a five-star review. It helps us reach more people just like you and drop a comment on something you enjoyed about the podcast. I always love reading them. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed for future content. Until next time, folks, have a great rest of your weekend. We'll be back with you Monday. Have a great day.